Good morning. How you doing today? Man, it's great to see you. I've been gone on vacation for a couple of weeks. And how many of you miss me? How, how, many of you, how many of you were just fine with me being gone and you just as soon I'd take a couple more weeks? Because it's fine with me if it's okay with you. Hey, I, I'm glad to see you today. I really am. It's so good to see you at the Bridge Church. If this is your first time at the Bridge, we want to especially welcome you. We know there are a lot of great churches in this valley, and for you to be here with us, it really means a lot to us today. We don't take that uh, for granted. And we just want to say, if you have any questions today, out that first set of doors to your right, there's an information center. They can probably answer any question you might have. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We've also got a, an app you can download on your portable device. It gives you all the information about the Bridge Church. We're just really glad you're here today. Can we put our hands together and welcome first-time guests? God bless you. If you want to get a head start, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have verses on the screen as we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Before I get into Scripture, just a, a couple of things today. It's good to have Bridge Youth in the house this morning. You're usually louder than that. How many of you stayed out too late last night? Back to school. There you go. One more time. It's good to have Bridge Youth in the service today. There you go. They always add a little bit of life. I, I got to tell you, um, this past week, long story short, my wife Ann went to Michigan to visit her family. Her father's 93 now, I guess. She hasn't seen him in just over a year, so she felt like she needed to go see him. All of her brothers and their wives are together. So the whole family's together. And uh, I decided I would go to Oklahoma and visit my dad's only living brother, because you know, my dad passed away several years ago. It's his baby brother. He's 92. So I went to visit him, and I went and visited two guys I went to high school with that I haven't seen in 25 years, two brothers. That was awesome. I got to spend some time with the pastor friend that I never get to see anymore, who we were best buddies in our early days of ministry. So it was really awesome. But I just wanted to share a little bit of my life with you. I went to visit my uncle, who's 92, in uh, Sand Springs, just outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Had lunch with him, and I brought a picture back for you to see me and my uncle, Bill Martin. There you go. That, that's me on the right, by the way, just in case. And uh, he's quite a guy. Uh, I called him up a few days ago. I said, Uncle Bill, this is Gary Martin. I want to come visit you. And I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm 92. <laughs> and he told me later, he said, you know, I constantly get calls at my, on my phone at home, constantly get these calls, people trying to sell me stuff. He said, so now when I get these calls, I say, hello. And they say, Mr. Martin, how are you today? He said, I just say, I'm 92. And he said, in a couple of seconds, you just hear a click. They realize I ain't buying nothing. It takes any day, any time to get here because I may be gone before it gets here. So he's got a really good, good, safe perspective on life. Had a great time visiting with him. Uh, anyway, so I've had a good few days of vacation. I just want to say it's good to be back home. Uh, let's pray, then we'll get into God's word. Father, thank you today for amazing people that we get to do life with, a, a great church family. And I just ask that the next few minutes that you would make your word come alive. You would help us understand the power and the benefits of your word. You would speak to each of us something individually by your spirit that we need to hear. And then help us to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
We're beginning a new series today called House Rules. House Rules. And this is not a, a sermon about legalism, life rules. It's about house rules. It's about six things that are really important to us here at the Bridge Church. You know, every house, every home has its own rules. <clears throat> and if you go from home to home, for example, on your street, from house to house, the rules are a little different. The priorities, the things that are important from home to home differ. There are some things that are important in your house that may not be important in your neighbor's house. Uh, to illustrate this, many years ago when I was a young minister, I heard a, a, a well-known uh, pastor who was of Italian origin. Any Italians in the house today? Okay, got a few Italians here. Um, he said he was raised in an area of New York City, a borough where it was pretty much all Jewish people, and his family was Italian. He said, we, we were very different, very different backgrounds. But he said, I went to school with all these Jewish friends that I made. So every morning, there were a handful of us who would all meet at one guy's house, and we would walk together to school, and we'd walk home after school. And we rotated around, so we all met at different houses. And he said, it was always interesting to me. He said, being in a little guy, you know, growing up in an Italian home, the last thing my mama said when I left house every morning was, don't forget a Yolancha. It's important that you're having a good day. Don't forget a Yolancha. That, that was one of the priorities of our house. Don't forget your lunch. But when I'd go to my friends' homes in the morning and we left there, the last thing that these Jewish mothers would say was, don't forget your homework and your school books. It's just one of the differences in priorities from house to house. And he said, I learned that as a kid. Every house is different. Well, the truth is every church is different. You go from church to church, and we believe the same basic doctrines, yet there are differences from church to church, and they're supposed to be different. No two churches need to be alike, otherwise they become useless. But, but the point is this. There are six things that are really important to us. Now, next Sunday morning we have what we call connecting point. We have it the first Sunday of every month during second service. At connecting point, one of the things that you hear along with our vision, you, you find out who our leaders are and so on and so forth. You also find about, out about these six things that are important to us. And we felt like we wanted to do a teaching series and just recommunicate to everybody these six priorities that are really, really important to us. So we're going to dive into this today. And the very first thing we're going to talk about today, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, so therefore we teach it as such. We believe the Bible is the Word of God, so we teach it as such. And I'm going to break that into two pieces today. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read the first part of verse 16. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now stop right there. We'll come back to the rest of this verse later in the verse that follows. But I want to begin with this today. All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally... What this verse says in the original writings is all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. God breathed upon individuals and they wrote down the thoughts, the heart, the words of God. 
See, what I want to begin with today is we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe it is God-breathed. We believe Scripture comes from the heart and the voice of God. These Scriptures that we read that we call the Bible comes from God Himself. You know, the word Bible literally means book. And if you read through the Bible or you look in the table of contents, there are 66 books or letters combined to make up that one book. And they're written by 35 or 40 different authors who came from all different walks of life. And they tell us who God is, what God's like, what his plan is for our life. And he gives us instruction on how we can build healthy, blessed lives. You know, a lot of times we don't even ask the question, but it comes to mind now and then, where, where did the Bible come from? If I were to ask you today, especially the youth, if I were to ask, where did your Bible come from? Most of you would say Amazon. Or Costco or, or someplace. We used to say Bible bookstore, but we don't have that anymore. But the point is, the Bible comes from God himself. There's a reason why, if you look on the cover or the table of contents, it will say, the Holy Bible. The scriptures are God-breathed, inspired by God. Now, we'll come back to this passage of scripture later, but look for a moment at 2 Peter chapter 1. Just to drive this point home, look at verse number 20. He jumps in the middle of a thought here, but he says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, he's saying, man didn't write down ideas about God. That's not what the Bible is. It's not personal interpretation and ideas. Verse 21 says, For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And I want to come back to it one more time. The reason I'm starting with this today is we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe it is God-breathed, it is inspired by God. It's the heart of God written down by individuals as the Spirit of God moved upon them. I worked a little bit with the words of one Bible commentary, but, but it simply says this. The Scriptures are holy Scriptures, they come from a holy God. They were delivered by holy men. They contain holy principles and they speak of holy things. And those principles are designed to make us holy and to lead us in the way of holiness. That's why they call it the Holy Bible or the Holy Scriptures. God inspired what we call His Word, the Bible, and we receive it as the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us that God's Word is alive and it's powerful and it even discerns and divides between our thoughts and the thoughts of God, between soul and spirit. Now think about this today. When you sit down to open up the Bible, do you ever stop and think this is alive and it's powerful? Or do you just think this is ink on a page? The Word of God is alive and powerful. Not only that, but Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, he said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. When you sit down and open up this book, do you stop and realize what I'm about to read is spirit and life? You see, what God was doing was he gave us his word so we could shape our lives so that we could partake of his life. He gave us his thoughts, his ideas. He gave us his truth so that we could take it and apply it to our lives and it would begin to shape us into the nature of God. 
God gave us his word to shape our lives. But he wants us to understand this is God's message to mankind. So we need to know what it says. What would happen? Now ask yourself this question. What would happen in my walk with God? If every time I opened my Bible, I saw those words as God breathed, alive, powerful, spirit and life, rather than just ink. Words dried upon a page. I believe if we accepted God's word for what he says it is, it would not just impact our lives, it would shape our lives and we would see God's blessing in every single area of our lives. So we believe the Bible is the word of God. Now, number two, the second part of that statement I gave you is, therefore, since we believe it's the Word of God, we teach it as if it's the Word of God. One of the things you'll find about the Bridge Church is our pastors here, the ones, especially the ones who teach regularly, we're very passionate about God's Word. When we share with you, we're not up here doing drama and doing theatrics. We're up here expressing our heart and what we believe about God's Word. We're that passionate about it because we believe it's the Word of God and we need to help show people how to apply God's Word to their lives. Now, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. We started there earlier. I want to go back to it. Verse number 16. And I want to show you what Paul says about the Word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. We've covered that, okay? And it's profitable. Everybody say profitable. Did you know God's word can help your life? It's profitable. It does good things for you. It can help every single area of your life. He says God's word is profitable, but here's how it profits us. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And then verse 17 says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if you look at the original writings here, there really are two schools of thought. He's speaking, Paul is writing these words to a young minister, Timothy, and he's saying, hang on to the scriptures, hang on to the word of God, because those are the things that will shape your life. And as a man of God, it will equip you for everything God's called you to do. But then the second school of thought is, it's also written for every believer because that word man there really speaks of mankind. Every man, every woman, every child of God, everyone who's accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God's word will furnish our lives with everything that we need to live the kind of life that God said we can live. See, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. It is the word of God that helps us understand what the God life is, what the abundant life is really all about. So we need to know and believe the word of God. So let me ask a question today. Why did God give us the scriptures? You know, sometimes in church we can get so theological and so deep in things, we never ask really easy questions. We asked earlier, where did the Bible come from? This, this question is, why did God give us scriptures? Well, the simple answer here, according to Paul, is because the scriptures work for our advantage and they'll make life better. So let's extend that one step further. Can you imagine what a Christian life would be like if we had no Bible and no scriptures? Think about it. 
Can you imagine what it would be like trying to follow God and serve God and be the kind of person he wanted you to be if you never had the written word handed to you and nobody knew what God wanted and expected of us? Can you imagine God said, okay, I sent my son. My son has died. I, I did what I wanted to do. Now the rest of you figure it out from here. That's where we get the philosophy that says any path leads to God. Jesus said, no, it's not any path that leads to God. It's the path that comes through me that leads to God. And you see, if we do not have the word of God, if we do not know the word of God and understand the word of God, we cannot begin to understand God's plan for eternity, God's plan for our lives and all that he wants to do for us and in us and through us. But God's word reveals those things to us. Paul said the scriptures are profitable. It means they're helpful. They're advantageous for us and they bring gain into our lives. Those are words that play off the original word that's written here in Scripture. It's for our advantage. And then Paul goes on to talk about four things. Four areas where the Word of God will help our lives. And I want to take a few minutes and talk about those four things. First, he says, God's Word gives us doctrine. Gives us doctrine. The word doctrine simply means teaching. God's word teaches us things that we need to know. Things that God believes are important. Things that, that if God believes it's important, evidently we need to find out what it is so we can work in our lives. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 4, just the next chapter back. I want you to turn back there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll skip down to verse 2 and start reading here because Paul is writing to Timothy, this young preacher, and here's what he says. He says, Timothy, verse 2, Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, prepare to teach and preach, but then even when you're not prepared, have the word in you so you can respond to situations. And then he gives him this instruction. He says, convince people rebuke people exhort them with all long suffering with patience and with teaching the word teaching means doctrine the word doctrine means teaching he says give them teaching upon which they can build their lives remember when jesus at the end of the sermon on the mount finished the sermon on the mount he said now here's the here's the conclusion of all of this the person who hears these words and does them is like a wise man that builds his house on a rock when the storms come, he's safe. But the man who hears these words and rejects them or does not do them and apply them, he builds his life on the sand. And when the storms of life come, they're going to destroy that man's life. That's what Jesus said. So evidently, the doctrine, the teaching that God's word gives us is the foundation for our lives. So what do you believe about God? What do you believe about God? I, I, I'm not going to give everybody a chance to stand up today. Some of you wouldn't. Some of you wouldn't. We'd be here for four weeks. Uh, how many would just as soon go home in a few minutes than be here four weeks? Okay, you're, you're in the boat with me. Well, what do you believe about God? Where do your beliefs come from? Can you prove your beliefs from Scripture? Many years ago, when I was a young minister, <coughs> excuse me, there was this well-known minister who was very well-educated. He'd gone to 
perhaps the most prominent university in all the United States of America. He not only graduated, he went on to get his doctorate in, in some different areas. Later on, he went into the ministry to pursue ministry. Very smart, very well-educated God. A guy, he, he carried a law degree and a lot of other degrees. Anyway, this gentleman told a story of how when he was in the university, he was on a journey trying to really define and discover what his faith was. And he said, I learned a principle that's true in life. He said, if I were to go to a professor in the math department and ask a, qu a question about science, that professor would say, that's not my field. Go talk to the science professor. He said, now if I went to the science professor and I asked a math question, that professor would say, that's not my field. You need to go talk to the math professor. He said it was true in every area of that university. Those professors would not address something that was outside of their area of expertise. But he said, if you brought up religion, everybody was an expert. It's kind of how it is in society. Let me ask you today, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? Can you show it from Scripture? You say, well, what difference does it make? Let me tell you why. The reason I preach and teach the Word of God as if it is the Word of God is because one of these days when this life is over, you and I are going to stand before God, each and every one of us, and we're going to give an account for our lives. And I'm not going to be judged upon my rules and what I think about God. I'm going to be judged by a God who told me who he is and what he is and gave me instructions for life. And I can't tell him, well, I didn't know that and I didn't know that. And I, I answer for who I am, what I am, what I've done. And I answer to God's laws. Now, let me give you another illustration of that. Have you ever been audited by the IRS? I don't need a show of hands, okay? Okay. How many of you would just as soon not be audited by the IRS? When you go in for an audit before the IRS, they will tell you, well, you did this. You took this deduction. You can't do that. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you can't use this deduction that way. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you need to forgive me because I didn't know any of that stuff. What you're going to do is you're going to pay the bill for the laws that you broke and the things that you did not know. And a lot of us, especially as believers, we never take time to even understand what God has for us, what he wants to do through us and in us, and we just pass it on and say, well, when I stand before God, it doesn't matter because I prayed the magic prayer, and because I prayed the magic prayer when I was 13, that's all that matters for the rest of my life. That's not what matters. What matters is what do we do with the word that God has given us? It's important. It's important. And it's interesting in... This passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you look at verse 3, he says, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The word sound doctrine means healthy doctrine. Healthy doctrine. He said instead they'll reject what the Word of God says and they'll write their own interpretations that fit their lifestyles so they could have Things easy in this life. It's interesting. I, I, a few years ago, I started doing some research, studying scriptures. I thought, okay, there is healthy doctrine, and then there's unhealthy doctrine. There's doctrine that causes trouble in my life, and then there's teaching that will bring blessing to my life. What is healthy teaching? What is healthy doctrine? Four things real fast. 
Number one, healthy doctrine is scriptural. Healthy doctrine is scriptural. It's based on the word of God. It agrees with the word of God. Number two, healthy doctrine builds faith. It encourages us in our faith. It encourages us to trust God more. If somebody's trying to teach you to trust God less, you need to back away from them. If somebody's teaching you to move away from God and not believe God, you need to back away. That's bad, unhealthy teaching. Healthy teaching builds faith and encourages our faith. Third thing, healthy doctrine is applicable to our lives. It's not just about head knowledge. All the teaching of God's word can be applied to our lives so it molds and shapes our lives and leads us into paths of rightness. And the fourth thing, healthy doctrine draws us closer to God. Healthy doctrine will not cause you to take God for granted. Healthy doctrine will cause you to take God seriously and draw closer to him. Healthy doctrine will not allow you to say, well, I've served God for five years now. I've become stable, so this is all that I need. No, healthy doctrine will continue to draw closer to God and learn more of God's word. So, number one, God's word will bring good teaching into our lives, good doctrine. Number two, the second thing that Paul addressed, he says God's word brings us truth. God's word brings us truth. You know, I'm not as old as some people here in our church, but I I have been around a while. I I admit it all the time. I am in midlife. I'm going for 120, so I'm just about halfway there. Well, I guess, now let's just leave that alone. Just keep moving, okay? Let's don't get into truth right there. Let's just keep going forward. But here's the point I want to make. From the time I was a child... I've heard people in our world ask the question, what is truth? Songs have been sung about it. Writers have written about it. Society has asked over and over again, well, what is truth? Who determines what truth is? Today, we live in a society where in many of our avenues and many of our universities, they say there are no absolute truths. That truth just depends and varies from situation to situation. What is truth? If the word of God leads us into truth and teaches us truth, it brings truth into our lives, what is truth? I want to tell you today, if you study the scriptures, God's word should become the foundation for everything that we believe to be true in life and eternity. God's word is the foundation for it. You know, if you want to know what's real and what's true how do you determine that let let me give you a little illustration here let's just say this morning this is illustration okay i'm not doing this let's just say i'm going to pass out hundred dollar bills today i know the youth would be in on this i don't know about moms and dads your your problems are a lot bigger than hundred dollar bills probably but for the youth most of them could solve their immediate problems with a hundred dollars if i were to start passing out hundred dollar bills the first thing that would happen is people start saying are these real Are these genuine or are they counterfeit? And I'm going to tell you something. If on any Sunday morning, if I ever start passing out $100 bills, you need to ask that question. Is this, are these real or are these counterfeit? But here's the point I want to make. If I start passing out $100 bills and, or anybody gives you a $100 bill and wow, you look at it and you think, is this real? How do you know whether it's real or whether it's counterfeit? 
you compare it to a real $100 bill to find out if it's counterfeit, if it looks the same, if it has the same kinds of markings, if the colors are the same, if the paper and the ink seems to be the same. You compare something to the real deal to find out whether or not it's real. When it comes to life, if people start talking about truth and what's true and what's honest and what's complete, the first thing you need to do is take it to this book and compare it to what this book says. Because if it does not agree with this book, it is counterfeit and it is not the truth of God. See, one of the problems we have in society today is we got people running around with all kinds of counterfeit philosophies and ideas and, and ideologies that they're saying, well, this is truth, this is truth. The problem is we're, we're comparing counterfeit to counterfeit. Quit comparing idea to idea and take each individual idea to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about it. It'll help your life. And here's, here's the application of this. In John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He's about to go to the cross, so he starts praying for them, and there's a long prayer there, a fairly long prayer. And Jesus says in there, he says, I pray for those that you've given to me, talking to the Father, those you've given to me. And he says, I pray for those who will believe on me because of their word, their testimony. He's praying for generation to generation. He's praying for all followers who, who will believe on him, which brings you and me into the picture. And a part of the prayer he prayed, he said, Father, I pray that you will take this family and you will set them apart, sanctify them by your truth. And then he made this statement. He says, your word is truth. If Jesus says the Holy Scriptures are the truth, I'm going to take his word for it. But here's the application of it that's so interesting to me. What is, it that, what is it that distinguishes us from an unregenerated society? What is it that makes our lives different from those who are lost and don't know where their life is going, those who are away from God not knowing God? What is the one thing that distinguishes us from them? It's the lives, it's the lifestyles that we lead that have been shaped and molded by the Word of God. That's what distinguishes us. And Jesus prayed and said, Father, set them apart. Distinguish them from the world. Sanctify them by your word because your word is truth. Friend, I want to accept God's word. When I read it when, it, when I look at that and it comes alive to me, I want to apply it to my life and I want it to shape my life because I want to be set aside in the family of God to be the kind of people and the kind of person that he wants me to be. It's a part of the work of his word. Number three, the third thing that Paul says is God's word brings correction to our lives. The word correction here really means straightening, to straighten something that's become crooked. Has anybody here ever really messed up and made a pretty ugly mistake? Nine of you. <laughs> and three of you are on the staff. That, that concerns me. <laughs> well, I know we're all in the boat. But one of the purposes of God's Word, one of the reasons why God's Word works to our benefit and is profitable 
is because God's word can correct us. It can straighten us. It can straighten the path and get us back where we need to be. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute. Hebrews chapter 12, if you've got a moment, turn there. Hebrews 12, we'll have the verses on the screen. Hebrews 12 talks about the correction of the Lord. In verse 5 of Hebrews 12, it says this. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, children of God. My son, my children, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Now let me ask a question, and, and you don't have to respond. You want to give me a bobblehead, that'll be okay. But uh, have you ever been reading the Bible and all of a sudden you realize, uh, boy, I've been missing that one. I haven't, I haven't been living that one out. And it's like, you know what, I'm, what do you, what, what's your response to that? I'm never going to be perfect. I'm, I don't know, I've been walking with God, but I found another area that's not right. It, it's never going to be okay. Or you know what, I've been doing this long enough. That's one area that belongs to me. If I want to hate people around me, I can be angry and ugly and hate people. God will just have to figure out how to deal with me. You ever, you ever had that kind of response? I think some of us have. Why do you say that? He says, son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. And don't get discouraged when God points something out and says, you know what? You're missing the point here. Verse 6 says this, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Do you know why it is that you can be reading the Bible and all of a sudden a verse jumps off the page and comes alive and you realize I've missed it? It's because God loves you and he's trying to help correct an area of your life that's going to create trouble for you. Hello? He's watching out for you. He's trying to correct something that's wrong. Verse 7 says this, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. If you accept God's chastening, he deals with you as his son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? You know what? I think every parent in this house would try and has tried in the past to shape your children's lives so they know right from wrong, and they do that which is right. That's what a parent does or should be doing. God's the same way, but he makes no mistakes. But he says in verse 8, notice the words, but if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. What he says is that you say, no, you're not going to correct me. No, I don't want that. No, I, I'm going to quit reading this Bible because I don't want to hear that. He says, we're not sons of God, we're illegitimate children. Now, I know I've got some religious people in the house, some older people. I've got a lot of younger people here. I know who I'm talking to today, but I want you to listen to me real closely. How many have got a King James Bible? You got a King James Bible? First service, we had several King James Bibles. There's a few King James here. Um, it's good enough for John the Baptist, it's good enough for us, right? <laughs> some of you don't understand that, don't worry about it. But here's the point. If you read that in the King James, what it literally says is, if we refuse the correction of God, he says literally we are bastards is what it says. Now you, you don't have permission to use that word, but I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, if you take it in its context, he's trying to tell us, if we reject God's correction, we're also rejecting him as our father. So he says, you know what? I'm going to give you my word to correct you. Do you know why God corrects us? To change 
the course, the path of our life. He sees where that path is going. He knows what it's going to bring our way. And he speaks and says, no, 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 no. You've got to get off that path and get on this path because that's the wrong path. You can't go that way. Listen to me. God does not correct us and discipline us or chasten us to hurt us and to harm us and to leave marks on us. That's not the heart of God. God corrects us to get us on a path of blessing and get us off of a path that's going to bring problems and cursing our way. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. So no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Verse 11, nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. You know, the word righteous or righteousness seems like we only use that in church. It simply means what is right, rightness, to be living the right way. God uses his word to get us on a right path and get us off of a wrong path because he knows the destination of each of those paths. And then number four, the last thing. Apostle Paul said that the word of God is profitable because it gives us instruction for that right, righteous living. God's word will show us how to live. You know, I said this first service, I want to repeat it because I think it's important. Oftentimes in God's word, God gives us a skeletal structure for different areas of our life. It's true of, of marriage. It's true of family. It's true for your finances. God gives you a skeletal structure and then he allows you to work out the individual details of that based on the skeletal structure. But if the skeletal structure is wrong, all the rest of that area is going to be messed up. If you don't have the skeletal structure right in your marriage, your marriage is going to be a mess. The same with your finances. The same with raising your children. For every area of life, God gives you a skeletal structure and says, here it is. Take it and go apply it. You see, the word of God is truth. And if we build upon those truths, then he gives us the ability to work out the details, but all of them stay in collusion with the word of God. That's the purpose of his word. So let me just show you. God's word brings us information, instruction for right living. Psalms 119 tells us, Psalmist said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He said, I've devoured your word. I know what it says because I want to walk in the principles of that word and not violate what you've said. It'll shape our lives for right living. But if we don't know what this word says, we cannot apply what this word says. That's why God puts teachers in the church, to help us understand the principles of God's word. That's why God's giving you the scripture so you can sit down and study it for yourself and apply it and know how God wants to work for you and in you and through you. 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter said, as newborn babes, we need to desire the pure milk of the word of God because it will cause us to grow. Let me ask you a question. Are you growing spiritually? Are you continually on a path where you see more of God working in your life for you and in you and through you? Or are you in a place where, eh, I'm just kind of living in what happened five years ago? The only way we grow is by the word of God, taking in, digesting the word of God, applying it 
to our lives. Like a baby drinking milk from, from the mother or from the, from the bottle it's supplied from the mother. It brings nourishment that causes us to grow. Without the word of God, we cannot grow spiritually. But with the word of God, we will see our lives absolutely changed. And not only that, the word of God brings us guidance. You know, I'm talking about the fact that it, it leads us into right living. Did you know the word of God will guide you? You know, it's sad. In a lot of the church world, there are a lot of people sitting around saying, well, you know, I've been asking God to speak to me for years and years and years, and God's never spoke to me one time. I've been, been walking with him 40 years. He's never one time spoke to me. I've never heard from God. I'm going to tell you something. If you've never heard from God, you've never read this book. The first way God's going to speak to you is through this right here. And a lot of us are sitting around, oh, if there'd just be an earthquake and I could hear the voice from heaven and a bright light would shine and knock me off my donkey, and if this would happen and that would happen, I would know it was God. God, I don't understand why you don't talk to me. And God says, I don't understand why you don't listen to me. Everybody smile at me this morning because I'm almost finished. I don't understand. Listen, Psalms 119, 105. Psalmist said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The lamp shows me where I am. The light shows me where I need to go next. God's word leads, leads us into right living. We need to know the word of God. The scriptures are profitable for all the purposes of Christian life, all of them. It teaches us the ways of God. It instructs us into that which is true. It reproves us for that which is wrong and directs us into that which is good. The word of God will change our lives. We believe the Bible is the word of God here at the bridge and we're gonna teach it in such a way that everybody hears it and can apply it to their lives and see God do amazing things in us. This morning, as I conclude, I want to pray a, a twofold prayer. I want to pray for everybody in the building. But before I pray, I want to share this. You may be here today and you've listened to this message about the power and the strength and the life in God's word. You may be sitting here thinking, wow, that would be great if God would get involved in my life and do those things. That would be amazing. But maybe you feel like the Kids standing outside the candy store looking in the window and you've got no money to go buy candy. Maybe you feel like, that's all great, but I don't know God. I don't, I don't belong here. I, I, this is not my life. But maybe as you've listened to me today, maybe something inside of you has kind of turned over and over and you've, you've seen hope arise and you've thought, God, I, I, I just wish you would do that in my life. Can I tell you why that hope is arising? It's because this Bible tells us that God loves us so much that while we were at our worst, he put his own son on a cross to pay for our sins, our sins that had separated us from God and removed us from his presence so that when we couldn't go to God, he came to us. He paid for our sins so that we could come into relationship with him. God's word teaches us that there are moments in life when the Holy Spirit will come and knock on the door of our hearts and say, I want to help.
I want to get involved. This is the truth. Let me lead you to God. If you're sitting here today and something's turning over inside of you and you're thinking, man, I, I wish I had God's help in my life. The reason you're feeling that is because the Spirit of God is drawing you to himself. But he needs you to say, yes, I want you and I need you in my life. All that begins with a prayer. It, prayer is just communications. Prayer is just a religious word for communication. It's conversation with God. I want to lead you in, in prayer, in that conversation. I'm going to show you how to just open your heart to God and ask God to help you meet you right where you are. And I'm going to ask everybody here in the room, if you would, we're going to bow our heads right now. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me. Just wrap your heart, wrap your faith around these words. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins, was raised from the dead, and I accept Jesus as my Savior. Full payment for all my sins. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. Teach me your ways. I want to know you. I will follow you all the days of my life. From this moment forward, you will be my father and I will be your child. Thank you for loving me and receiving me. Now I want to pray for everybody in the house. Father, I pray for every person listening to this today, those listening online, those who will listen later online, those who are right here in the building, those who are out in the lobby. Father, I pray for everybody in this house today. I ask you to encourage them today to open up your word, to learn it and to know it. Even if it's, a, it's just a spoonful at a time, start taking your word and applying it to their lives. Father, I ask you to do the things that you said you would do. The things that you said would profit because of the word. I ask you to bring blessing into the lives of your people. All the blessings of your word as your Holy Spirit works in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, hang tight everybody. We're almost finished. Got a couple of things we need to do here. So don't leave unless you absolutely have to. But I want to tell you, if you just prayed that first prayer a moment ago, and if for the first time you've opened your heart to God, or maybe you've been the prodigal on the run and you realize it's time to come home. If that's you, we've got a gift we want to give you. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just real simple reading, short, simple reading for each of the next seven days that'll help you understand what it means to be in relationship with God. It's our gift to you. And we want to make it as easy as possible for you to get it. When we're finished here in just a few minutes, there'll be prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. But if you just walk up to one of these teams and say, hey, can I get the booklet? If you don't remember the name, the next seven days, just say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there, no strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. If you just want to get it and go, just get your booklet and go, that's fine. We want to put it in your hands today. It'll help you get started walking with God. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, just before you exit through the glass doors, right in the middle, there's a counter there with the big television sign right there. Same thing. You can stop by there, ask for the booklet. They'll give it to you. It's our gift to you. God bless you. 
We want to help you start building that relationship with God. Can we just welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Pastor Nick. Can we thank Pastor Gary for that amazing word? You know, it's those simple things that we need to be constantly reminded of. The word is to be our foundation. It's who we are. It's who we build our lives upon. You know, we believe that the scripture is, is so important. And, and as we look in the scripture and we see the truths and the principles in there, one of the things that, that we see is we see God talk about finances a lot. And he talks about it in such a way that, that he asks us to give our first fruits a tenth. And he talks about also giving offerings. You know, we, we give and as we give, we, we trust the Lord because he's given everything that we have anyways. And so it's a, it's, it's a stewardship principle, and we believe in that here. I want to encourage you, and I want to thank you for all that you do, for trusting this place, for the incredible work that's happening with Bridge Youth. Can I get an amen? For what's happening in Bridge Kids right now, for what happens in community care, for what happens with our global missions partners, for what's happening in this community, and what happens every week in this room. People come to know who Christ is. People grow in their faith, and you're all a part of that. Thank you so much for your generosity. I want to remind you there's different ways that you can give. You can give online. You can text to give. You can also give through our church app. And if you're old school, that's cool, and you can give in the envelope too. Our ushers, I'm actually going to invite you to come on down. As they come down, I'm going to ask that you would just remain. It just helps us to secure the, the offering and nobody's moving around. And would you join me as we watch church news? Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Mia, and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you enjoy your morning in church and that you and your family have a wonderful time with us. School is in session, and while the heat is still here, our fall preparations are underway here at The Bridge. We want to keep you informed about everything that's coming up in church life. So here's a look at what's happening in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. Worship and Prayer Night is happening this Wednesday at 7 p.m. These nights are significant as we come together to press into God, counter His presence, and pray for God to move in our lives and the world around us. If you have a desire to experience more of God's presence, or you have needs in your life that you want God to get involved in, we invite you to come and be here on Wednesday night. We are expecting God to answer prayers and for His presence to be here in a strong way. If you have kids, Bridge Kids will be happening for all kids in 5th through 5th grade. So make your plans to join us this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Jack Wagon reporting live from the Bridge Church where I am here at the very first beard growing competition. The competition will be fierce today and I believe the competitors are ready to get it underway. Are we ready competitors? On my count, here we go. Ready, set, go! Now 
Well, it looks as though the competitors have done their best. Aaron wins the award for cleanest beard. Nick wins the award for dirtiest beard. And Jeremy for creepiest beard. And as we can see, Pastor Corey still can't grow a beard. But it doesn't matter if you can grow a beard or can't grow a beard. You men are invited to be a part of Bridge Men on Tuesday, September the 10th at 6.30 p.m. All guys are welcome. We hope to see you there. If you are new to The Bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in the church. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for letting us make fun of you, Pastor Corey. We love you. And it's true, he couldn't grow a beard if his life depended upon it. So anyways, hey, we have worship and prayer this Wednesday. We would love for you to come. Please come with a heart of expectancy. Be praying. We are expecting God to show up, and we're going to show up too. Come ready to encounter him. He's going to just bless you. So please come. Child care will be available for that. So please come on down. Also want to remind you, Bridgman is coming. We're super excited about that. Also, if you're... Uh, wanting to find out more about who we are, sign up for Connecting Point at the Info Center. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Have an incredible afternoon. Give a hug or a high five on the way out. <laughs>